I've been afraid of this for so long. Of being alone. Of falling in love with my own strength. My own joy. My own sorrow. My own passion. My own particular brand of kindness and my own particular brand of cruelty. But now that I'm here, and now that I find myself needing to be alone and in love with myself out of necessity and survival, I'm finding that I'm no longer afraid. What is the point? What is the point of fear? Especially when I'm me. What can someone truly give me, anyway, if I'm afraid? You know, this newfound bravery. This newfound joyful solitude. It's also helping me to fall back in love with you. With people. Not in the way that I've often said in the past, when I might have called you humans. As if you're some kind of exotic, unusual creature I do not understand. I do understand you. I think I've always understood you better than I've given myself credit for. But lately I've been thinking about parties. Do you know how long it's been since I've been to one? I don't remember. I don't think I've been to one since I changed that night in the tower. I think I've always been too afraid of being seen for my strangeness. But, while my features are gaunt and frightening and some of them are extremely different from yours, I think we live now in a wonderful age when strangeness and difference is appreciated. Maybe I've had you all wrong this whole time. Maybe I've been afraid of torches and pitchforks from the past that have been long put to rest. Something I've been thinking about anyway. My story for you this week is about accepting strangeness, accepting the unknown, and a party. Let's stick with this theme. There was once a young man, newly an adult and not very good at being an adult. He lived in a small wooden cottage in a town full of small wooden cottages. He lived by himself. He worked performing hard labor by day, and he had several friends in town with whom he'd spend night after night in a tavern with, or at one of their small wooden homes, drinking and laughing and being young and foolhardy. There wasn't much more to life for him right now, and he didn't envision any kind of future other than this. It was enough, though sometimes he wondered if he drank and laughed and fought and joked night after night to forget that it would have to be enough. This night, he was home by himself after a long day of chopping wood and carrying it to and from the market. His friends were tired and hadn't wanted to have a rowdy time, and he cursed them under his breath and headed home. The silence was boring to him. The taste of his food was bland. His melancholy solitude was unwelcome. He walked around in circles, unsure of what he would do. After all, he was used to his home only when he stumbled into it, exhausted and poured himself into bed. Or when he pulled himself out of it in the morning with a terrible, pounding headache. 
But then, breaking the silence, he heard a strange music suddenly. He went outside to hear it better. It was late, and most of the town was asleep. Besides, the tavern was too far for him to be able to hear the music from it, and the music that only sometimes was played there was nowhere near as beautiful as this. A few steps towards the forest, and he could hear it even better. Not only this, but he started to smell the most delicious, entrancing smell, one he couldn't identify. He kept going, eventually finding himself deep among the trees and far from his cottage. He was afraid only for a moment. Yes, he knew how dangerous these woods were in the darkness of the night. But his fear subsided when he realized the music was much louder and the smells were much stronger. If there was some kind of feast or celebration in the woods, then what could the danger really be? Closer and closer he came, and he began to see the warm glow of firelight through the trees. He ran towards it now, eager and excited to find the source of his curiosity. He stumbled into a spot in the forest where the trees were gathered less densely, but the trees themselves were thicker and taller than any he'd ever seen. These were ancient trees. And between them were strung little tiny lanterns with candles inside of them. Lighting the night with different colors and patterns. There were what appeared to be silk scarves or flags with symbols on them that he didn't recognize strung from the branches. Both low ones, but also extremely high ones that even a very tall person could never reach. He was not alone either. Far from it, in fact. The band he heard was actually scattered around the woods. A musician with something that looked like a guitar here, one with a kind of lute there, and on the other side of the clearing a flute player, and on the other side a singer, a drummer, walking as they pleased among the party. They were everywhere, and they didn't seem to need to be standing close to one another to be in perfect sync. He spotted tables and tables of delicious food on shining silver and gold plates. Little cakes that sparkled and shone with colors he'd never seen food decorated with before. He saw fruits and vegetables he didn't recognize. Fresh or roasted or candied. Flowers that he'd never found in the forest before decorated the tables too. Have a drink? The voice came from behind him, and when he whirled around and saw a person with a sparkling silver pitcher in their hands, he couldn't help but gawk at their beauty. They had the largest eyes he'd ever seen on a person, and they were a color he didn't know eyes came in. Their long, curled hair the same. Their ears were very slightly pointed and decorated with beautiful jewels. When the young man accepted the drink, he was shocked that they didn't offer him a glass, but rather tilted his head back to pour the warm, sweet drink directly into his mouth. Was it wine? Was it rum? Was it something else entirely? 
he couldn't tell. But his insides immediately warmed up, and he felt a kind of light inebriation immediately. He was in love with this drink, whatever it was. And he turned again and saw dozens of revelers suddenly, each one as beautiful as the one with the pitcher. Young people, all seemingly around his age, were spinning and dancing and laughing and pouring that spectacular drink in their mouths. Their eyes, their hair, even their skin, all were tinted with a gorgeous and strange rainbow of colors. They ate the fruit and cakes from the tables freely. Some sang with the scattered musicians. Their clothes were pale and soft and loose and gauzy. Nothing like the heavy brown woolen clothes that the young man wore. He tore off his coat and threw it aside, where an excited attendant found it and began to study it like it was some kind of newfangled treasure. In his plain white shirt and brown trousers, he stood out among the fairy-like guests, but they seemed to find him as exotic as he found them. Now this... This was a party unlike any he'd ever seen in his life. The drink took hold, and yet he wanted more and more of it. He was thirsty for it in the way one thirsts for water, but the more he drank, the thirstier he became. He made his way into the crowd and began to dance. Compared to the other revelers, he was clumsy and ungraceful, but they seemed to love him all the more for it. They clapped their long, elegant hands together and cheered him on. And when he grabbed at them, one at a time, to spin them around and dance and drink in their unearthly beauty, they laughed and loved him all the more for it. A girl threw her arms around him. A boy lifted him into the air. Someone he couldn't see popped a cake into his mouth, and the drink-bearer poured more of that delicious wine down his throat. They urged him to stand on a table and sing, and when he did, they sighed for the sound of his voice, which was just as strange to them as their breathy, ethereal voices were to him. They begged him to tell him a tale from his land, and he did. When he came down from the perch, greedy, soft hands reached for him and demanded he dance with them again. Breathless, he enthusiastically complied. When they offered him more food, he accepted, despite the fact that he thought he might be sick if he carried on like this much longer. When they urged him to sing again and tell another tale or a joke, he agreed with a hearty laugh. The world was spinning around him, but oh, his ennui that evening had been forgotten so very quickly. He leaned against a tree, begging for a moment of peace to catch his breath. Though his vision was blurred, he saw the flautist walk by, and he could have sworn that its face was almost... toad-like. Green, with a wide mouth and huge bugging eyes. He could have sworn that he saw a long tongue reach out of its mouth and grab a fly, even. He tried to shake it off. But he looked over and saw that the guitarist strummed the strings with fingers that appeared to be feathers, and a long, smiling beak came from its face. It blinked with strange eyes that only pigeons had. 
The dancers were still beautiful, but they were changing a little in front of his eyes. Their fingers and necks were longer. They seemed either much taller or much shorter than he'd seen before, or much thinner or much stouter. Their features were even more exaggerated, their voices and language more unknowable to him. Perhaps to regain his composure and determine whether he was hallucinating or not, he glanced up to the sky. The moon was exactly where it was when he first arrived. Well, that can't be. He took out his pocket watch and glanced at it. Twelve hours. Twelve hours had gone by. The sun should be up. He would be late for his work at the market. He went to a dancer and asked how it was possible that it was morning and the sun was not up. The dancer whirled him around and dipped him and kissed his lips. He ran to the guitarist and asked if they were wearing a mask, pulling at its beak and ripping a few feathers out. It just shrieked a bird-like cry in his face and kept on playing. He went to the beautiful person with the wine, wanting to ask just what it was he had been drinking all night. But they merely smiled opening their mouth and revealing horrible, sharp, black teeth. Mumbling a terrified apology, he slowly backed away. Then he turned and ran from the woods. A cacophony of disappointed, sad, angry voices was heard behind him as he began to leave. And he realized they were chasing him. Strange elven people, creatures who looked like animals, running after him in the woods. He ran and ran, a little afraid that he might get lost. But he found his house and ran inside. He locked the door. He passed out on the floor. But when he woke, sober and exhausted, what he found in his home in the cold and not very bright light of morning chilled him even more than the true faces of the creatures in the woods. All of his possessions were gone, and what little remained was gray and covered in dust. Sheets were thrown over some pieces of furniture that were left, and even those sheets were threadbare and filthy. When he looked out the window, whose panes were cracked and falling apart themselves, he saw that his usual view of other wooden cottages and small, humble buildings was completely different. Many of the other homes he knew were torn down or replaced with buildings of brick, or what he didn't know was cement. The dirt roads he knew were now paved over, and the trees and gardens in his village had been torn down. A strange mechanical vehicle went by, with lights brighter than any roaring fire he'd ever seen. He opened the door and stepped outside. The creatures hadn't chased him this far. He was alone. He walked among the town, seeing unfamiliar faces and clothes and strange looks at his disheveled, outdated appearance. His friends' homes were gone. No one remembered or recognized him. Terrified and beginning to realize the truth, he asked a stranger for the year. With a concerned and judgmental look on their face, the stranger answered, 
a hundred years. A hundred years had gone by while he was dancing in the woods. He returned home and wept bitterly. But he still heard the music in the woods. He stepped outside and followed it. He knew where he was going this time. And when he returned to the feast, every single guest there remembered him and cheered, welcoming him with open arms and wine and food and embraces and kisses. It was always midnight here. Even with their inhuman features and black, sharp teeth, their toad faces or bird beaks, he was relieved to find them exactly as he'd left them. He took a drink, leapt up on a table, threw his arms up, and began to dance again. He's probably still there now, the same age, drinking the same wine, singing the same songs, with strange people who are not so strange to him now. Good night, dear friends. Hello everyone and thank you as always for tuning into On a Dark Cold Night. This is Kristen, your writer and host, in a way. I hope you've been doing well this week. First of all, I'd like to say a huge thank you to Casey Chaplin at Horror Shots Podcast. Casey had me on for an interview last week talking about On a Dark Cold Night. This was done for Women in Horror Month, which I'm extremely excited about. Casey's show is really awesome. Um, he discusses different horror topics, and they're so well-researched and interesting, so please check out Horror Shots Podcast. A little bit of housekeeping, if you liked this episode or the show in general, please drop us a review on iTunes, or Stitcher, or on our Facebook page. It really helps podcasters get noticed and get the word out there, so I'd really appreciate it. I will very likely shout out reviews here and on social media, too. Also, give us a follow on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night, Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, or on our Facebook page. Drop me a line anytime. I'd love to hear how you're liking the show so far. Finally, you can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight, where, for any amount you pledge monthly, you can now get access to an up-to-date soundtrack of the podcast with original pieces of music I've done for the show. If you just want to help out one time and not have this exclusive access, you can also buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. Or you can also listen to the show on the free Radio Public app where every listen counts towards me getting paid for my work. Also a quick reminder about my new Quantum Leap rewatch podcast that I host with my friend Leet Stetson called Oh Boy, It's Kristen and Leet. If you're into 90s television and listening to nerds, then this is the podcast for you. Thanks so much for listening this week, and every week that you listen to it. It means a lot. Take care. <laughs>